The Massachusetts Prostate Cancer Coalition presents Prostate Cancer, One Man's Journey, a special podcast series featuring Michael Despezio, who shares insightful experience in dealing with prostate cancer, from his early diagnosis to medical options he undertook to how his quality of life was affected. Michael is a writer, TV host, and science educator who's co-authored over 60 science textbooks used in K-12 classrooms. He's chronicling his journey with prostate cancer in an effort to help others. In the first episode, we talked uh, a bit about your discovery of the prostate issue and the ultimate choice you made for biopsy that involved the MRI fusion. But that's not the only choice that men have. That's correct. In fact, this whole journey is about decisions and weighing choices, which means you need to be as well-informed as you can. Originally, I was presented with a more traditional biopsy, one that's called a transrectal biopsy, and I opted not to go through with that procedure because I had read about it and learned that it was associated with a greater chance of infection and also that there was an increased chance that you might miss the tumor since you were not taking advantage of any imagery that was acquired before the biopsy procedure. What I wanted was an MRI fusion biopsy that was transperineal. A lot of words. What what do they mean? Well, the transperineal referred to the way in which the needles would be inserted into my my prostate. So instead of going in through the rectum, they entered through skin that was below my prostate. And while the needles were in the prostate... We were using an MRI image, which had been taken before this procedure, which had produced a three-dimensional representation of the tumor. Now, this was fused. It was laid over a live ultrasound image so my urologist could see exactly where he wanted to place and position those needles so that there was an increased chance that he would sample the tissue that was in question. Let's talk now about what the results showed and how you understood those results. You, of course, would understand them perhaps better than I would because of your background in science and biology, but walk us through that period. Well, first, uh, the results get posted to an online portal. That's how I was able to first see them, and I saw them before my practitioners did, which means that you've got to know what you're looking at. And there's a little bit of controversy about that, whether or not the results should be released directly to the patient without any guidance about what they mean. And I had the background, so with me, it was fine. There was no issue. In fact, I wanted to see these results as soon as they were ready to be viewed. The way the pathology report is laid out for the biopsy is you have a list of numbers, and each of those numbers relates to a specific needle that went in to the prostate. And these needles are positioned in different parts of the gland. So I had a number of those needles which followed a regular grid pattern, and those were the first 10 needles that went in, and they were sampling regions of the prostate which most likely would have cancerous tissue. Mm-hmm. Then the last three needles were targeted. They used that MRI image to actually target those needles at the specific lesion, that specific area of concern. And one of those needles came back with results that showed that I had cancer. So in looking at my results, I was able to go through a set of needles where they said nothing benign, 
benign prosthetic tissue, meaning that it was not nothing to worry about with that mm -hmm. tissue. But finally, when I got to the last needle, it was on the last one. Uh-oh, oh, we've darn. got an issue. Oh, darn, the, the last one. And then it described yeah. what they found in terms of words that someone with prostate issues may hear, Gleason score, it defined it in terms of growth patterns in the number of cores that were involved, but we can talk all about that. At this point, Michael, I would assume you were presented with the options. We all know there are options, and that's a pretty heady experience, even for people who know what these options mean, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. Although I had certainly read about the options, it wasn't until I had the biopsy pathology report that the reality actually sank in. Uh, based upon my pathology report, which uncovered high risk and aggressive cancer, I wanted this tumor out of my body as soon as possible. And for me, that meant a definitive treatment, either radiation in conjunction with hormone therapy or surgery called a radical prostatectomy, which is the removal of the entire prostate gland along with some nearby structures. Timing is everything, and unfortunately at that point, my options were quite limited since the cancer had advanced beyond the active surveillance window and was too high risk for less definitive or newer treatments. What was the doctor's reaction and possible options? Here's what I recommend. Uh, how did that play out? The mass general urologist I had selected for my biopsy specialized in surgery. Uh, and so his standard of treatment, my next step, if that was the case, was a radical prostatectomy, a treatment that offered a potential cure if all the cancer had not spread beyond the gland. Even so, before I would decide on a treatment, he set me up with an oncologist and a radiation specialist to review my treatment options. You need to hear different views since this is a critical and personal decision with potential risks and benefits that will impact the rest of your life. So I decided on surgery, but his schedule was booked for several months. He recommended another surgeon, one who was at Brigham and Women's. He was also an expert in the field who was also a high-volume surgeon and performed robotic-assisted surgery using the da Vinci surgical system. Uh, let me talk about that for a second. It's, it's a procedure where the surgeon sits at a console and remotely controls surgical tools that remove the prostate. And I need to say something right now, and, and this is critical. The dozens of scientific papers that I read which analyzed the success of radical surgeries were all in agreement that high-volume surgical centers, and more importantly, a high-volume surgeon, were most likely to produce the best outcomes. Technique matters. Uh, so do your research, and if you can, select a surgeon who has performed the operation hundreds of times. Uh, so... As soon as I healed from the biopsy, I was back in Boston for my radical prostatectomy. Whenever anyone hears cancer, the first thing they think about is the spread. Where is it showing up beyond the localized area? You had to find this out. So what's happening in your world at this point, knowing what you know now, before you can undertake this procedure? I'm learning patience. <laughs> because it takes a while from the test to get your test results. So all of these tests and the next ones, if I was going for surgery, which I opted to do, mm -hmm. were to get just general tests to make sure that the cancer had not spread. And those were tests that I also had performed up in Boston. One was a bone scan. And you are given 
a tracer chemical, a radioactive tracer, and it's, it's not harmful, but you're given a material which travels in your bloodstream and concentrates in tumors. And so then when you're scanned, if you have these distant tumors, it shows up. And the reason it's a bone scan is that bones are the primary tissue in which secondary tumors will form. So if the primary tumor, which is in the prostate, begins to metastasize, begins to spread, it will then create secondary tumors at distant locations. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I am anxious like anything. I'm going in there and saying, oh, boy, because your prognosis the prediction of what will happen to you is very different if you do have distant spread as opposed to the cancer being all contained within the gland or just spreading to local regions. You're reassured that you're in good shape throughout the rest of your body at this point, right? Right, because they're prepping me just to make sure that I'm going to be ready for surgery because surgery is not an option for everyone. And again, you need to sit down, talk with your surgeon, talk with people who give other types of cares. Go for that second opinion. This is a major decision that will affect not only your longevity, how long you're going to survive after it, but also a critical part, which all of a sudden I I began looking at this new term called quality of life. Which is what we're going to be focusing on in the next episode, because that is a key issue for those listening and for anyone who's contemplating this issue. Sharing these words and and the wisdom, you're helping a lot of people. Thank you, my friend. You're welcome. The topics discussed on this podcast are for educational purposes only and should not be used to make medical decisions. Every individual has unique circumstances which will influence their medical care and the application of scientific literature should be interpreted within the context of your general health. Please consult a doctor before making any clinical decisions. You've been listening to a special series, Prostate Cancer, One Man's Journey, with Michael Despezio. For more, visit the Massachusetts Prostate Cancer Coalition website, masspcc.org. Again, you can subscribe and download our regular podcast series, Prostate Cancer and You, available on all major podcast platforms. This is Jordan Rich. Thank you for listening.